Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hefner with my co-host, Timothy Cunio and guest host, Alyssa Otis. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. You guys might have remembered, I did an episode completely on my own because my guest hosts were off doing whatever they were doing, but it was the Ask the GDMI. And Alyssa was our GDMI, our guide dog mobility instructor for those who don't know what GDMI is. And Alyssa, now you're in a different role at Leader Dog. You have joined the dark side of marketing over here. I have. I have. Yeah, I've recently switched. Um, I was a GDMI for the last about 10 and a half years, and now I'm with the marketing department. Yes. So she works with Leslie. So that's why she'll be filling in if Leslie or I cannot be here. She's going to kind of be our little backup guest host filling in that role But she brings so much knowledge that we don't have on the marketing department. Because Alyssa, how long were you a guide dog mobility instructor for? Well, I've been with Leader Dog since 2012. Uh, So I've probably been a GDMI certified for about eight years. Very cool. You're only in your first couple of weeks yeah, here. I know, I know. They're throwing a lot at me <laughs> <Yes>. real quick. <laughs> so jumped in two feet. We're very thankful. I've already asked you some questions on some social media stuff and posts. And I, I love it. I love it. I'm so excited to see what the marketing side of things is. Yes. And we are so thankful to have you and you're taking on Leslie's role. So you know, kind of tell us, I'm going to let you jump in and tell us about our guest today. All right. Well, today our guest is somebody that we've actually heard about in previous episodes, but now we have the honor of introducing and learning more about him. He's been a critical team member in the start of the LeaderDog O&M program, and we are excited that he is back on the O&M team now. Yes, and Barry Stafford is a certified orientation and mobility specialist at LeaderDogs for the Blind, so that's what O&M is. And he attended Stephen F. Austin State University, where he graduated with his Bachelor of Science in Orientation and Mobility in 1991. He has an MED in special education, also from SFASU, and he has worked as a mobility specialist in public schools, private rehabilitation centers, the VA hospital, and in the teacher preparation program at his school. Well, Barry, welcome to the podcast. So the first question I got for you is how and why did you become a orientation and mobility instructor? Wow, uh, Timothy, I just want to say thank you to Timothy, Christina, and Melissa for um, asking me to be part of the podcast. I um, uh, have been uh, listening since the beginning and I feel very honored to be on the list of uh, very distinguished guests. I'm probably going to bring the, the level down a little bit, but um, somebody <laughs> had to at some point. <laughs> um, I, I got into orientation and mobility, honestly, um, just real simple, because I always felt like that's what um, I was led to do in my life. I feel like it's been a, uh, for lack of a better term, calling of, of mine. Once I figured out I wasn't going to be a professional football player, I had to find something else to do. <laughs> and uh, growing up in my small West Texas town, that's what, that was all of our um, goal was to, to get out of town and go play football someplace. And that didn't, uh, like most of us, doesn't work. <laughs> so um, I, I got into the field um, because that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to, to be in a helping profession. And boy, I, I found a great one. I really did. This is the best thing I've ever done. Well, honestly, I've never done anything else professionally. So um, this is the absolute best thing, in my opinion. Barry, that is awesome. And you've been in the field for many years. 
can you share a little bit about it? I'm sure that O&M orientation and mobility has changed so much throughout the years. Can you kind of give us a little um, insight on, you know, how it's changed from when you first started to now? I know that could probably take a long time, but <laughs> just a little insight on that. Yeah, I mean, the main thing, honestly, is that we're we're using so much more technology than, and like everybody, right? But um, mobility instructors, and I was one of them, um, who said, and we don't need technology as long as they we teach some good cane skills, they'll be fine, right? We don't need GPS, and it's just another thing, and uh, something else with a battery, and something else that that can you can lose and drop, and all those kind of things. So the thing that I think that has changed the most about our field is that we're we're using technology to our benefit. It's been a for some of us who have been out on the street for so long, it was, and again, I was one of them who thought it's just an unnecessary thing, but GPS gives people so much more information than was available to them before. I worked with a lady one time, um, one of the first persons I, I worked with GPS, and she said, oh, I never knew that. I think it was a Starbucks or something that we found with her GPS, and she said, it's on the other side of the street. I never knew it was there until today. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on a route. And so just, just an added layer of information that, that most of us take for granted as we drive down the street or whatever. We see things and we think, well, I'll go there later. This young lady had no idea things were even there. Wow. So that really opened my eyes and said, you know what, there's some, there's some things out there that are uh, really, really useful. So I think technology is probably the, the thing that has changed the most. Yeah, I can only imagine. And that is amazing that technology is now becoming more accessible and it's kind of moving with the times as well. And Barry, so you obviously teach at the school you went to. So you're not in Michigan. So if you can kind of tell us how that works with you working at Leader Dog. Yeah, so listen to this and everybody else can be jealous and I don't care because I've got the greatest... (laughs) in the world. I got to tell you, I work from home, um, but I'm a full-time employee at Leader Dog. I work from home. I travel to Michigan once a month for an on-campus O&M class. I was just there last week. And then another week of the month, I travel throughout the United States and Canada teaching in-home O&M. So people that we have... um, people that we have uh, identified that might benefit from doing their mobility at home. We um, go, I go there uh, and um, teach. So I'm going to, to New Mexico next, uh, next week. As a matter of fact, I just got back from Utah right before Christmas. So um, I get to teach and do what I love to do and know, know how to do really well. Um, I get to work from home and I get to travel. It's fantastic. It's like I said, it's the best gig in the world. That's what I'm doing right now for Leader Dog. Man, <laughs> Man. I was going to say maybe you should go back and get your certification, right? Yeah. Um, Alyssa, join the marketing team. Maybe I'll leave the marketing yeah, team. Yeah. Get kidding. a comms. That is a joke. <laughs> if my boss hears this, I am not leaving the marketing team. Of oh, gosh, no. <laughs> But a 
Alyssa, uh, you have done in-home deliveries as well on the guide dog yeah. part. So I guess um, is in-home has in-home always been a thing at Leader Dog for you know O and M and guide dog. So for guide dogs, it's been a thing for a while. Um, and then I think with COVID, things with our O&M department kind of had a change. Maybe Barry has a little more info on how the O&M team is doing some uh, some extra field stuff, like your your trips that you're taking, Barry. Yeah, so um, I know COVID changed so much for so many of us. One of the things, one of the, I hesitate to say a good thing, but one of the benefits of having that happen was that we realized that we could do things differently. We were all forced to do things differently and look at things differently. Um, so in mobility, we have always wanted to uh, follow people home. We always thought it was a good thing. They come for a week of O&M and we get people really confident and moving, stepping out. Um, but we thought, man, if we could go home with them and apply this information in this newfound confidence, uh, for these people's home routes, the routes they go to their own grocery store and their own bank and restaurants and things like that. So um, we used to do it for local people who were local, people who were within a drive, reasonable driving distance. And then with my new position, this is the the first time we've we've taken it really outside the state of Michigan. And uh, so far, I mean, I've I've been able to travel to. I'm in uh, Timothy's home state down in Georgia. Spent a week in Georgia. Um, spent a week in Tennessee, uh, North Dakota, um, knocking off some never been there places for me. <laughs> yes. But that's what we're doing. We're taking it to people's homes, and it just makes a lot of sense for some folks. Yeah. Some folks benefit greatly from being on campus and, and seeing the whole environment and the atmosphere there at Leader Dog, and they get to see um, if they're interested. In a dog guide, it's the best place to be Yeah, because they get to see the, the process. They live with people who are going through it, and they can ask all those questions of the instructors as well. There's instructors all over campus all the time, GDMIs, I mean. Um, but for somebody who, who's not necessarily interested in a dog and, and wants to travel at home, um, being able to go to their their home and, and work on their intersections and their their routes is really, really beneficial. Yeah, and I can't imagine it's probably really great for people who, you know, can't leave their home for a full week because maybe they have a job that they can't get the time off or whatever it may be. So that's really great. We're able to, we're really meeting the client where they're at. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the best part about it. You bet. Well, I get, uh, when I'm talking to people about orientation and mobility, I get questions like, what if I can't get it that one week? Are they allowed to come back if they're having difficulties, you know, maybe in the future? Yeah, Timothy, that's a great question. And the answer is absolutely yes. We will uh, welcome anybody to come back because we cram a lot of information into people's heads over the course of a week. And sometimes it's it's too much to to. So again, so sometimes people say, can I come back? Or if my, my life changes, if my vision changes, if, you know, if I move, we've had people call and said, man, I'm in a brand new environment. Um, and so we would say, come back. But now we can also say, let me come to you. We can work on, on your stuff right where you are. So they're absolutely welcome to come back. You bet. So that is awesome. 
I am super jealous. I'm still going to say I'm super jealous about the traveling part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you, what was, I guess, because you were at Leader Dog at one point. Were Do you ever live in Michigan when you were at Leader Dog in the early days? Yeah, when we, um, when I took the job in, um, back in the early 2000s, we, uh, my family and I moved to Michigan, um, we were there for, for a little bit over two years, and then a job opportunity here in Texas opened up, uh, and it's closer to, to all of our families. My wife is from Texas as well, and so um, so we moved back here, but always stayed uh, in contact with Leader Dog. I worked the camps and things like that, and any time that I had extra time or, or time to take off, I would uh, contract with Leader Dog and, and just stay involved teaching mobility. Always, always on the mobility side of things. And I've, I've loved it, but we loved Michigan. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, snow is a novelty uh, for, <laughs> if, for if, you. If you're only there, you're only yeah. Only yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get to come up for a week and then go back home, though. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, it was cold for a week this this last weekend. It wasn't really that cold, but. Somebody from Texas, it was pretty, pretty chilly. So um, I've always got the bigger coat on than everybody else. <laughs> oh, I bet. You're <laughs> probably one of the few with like a winter coat. <laughs> yes. 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 Absolutely. And I've got the, the best coat. It's a, I counted the other day. It has 13 pockets on it. Oh my goodness. Wow. No idea what I'll do with 13 pockets, but it's a, it's, I'm, I'm ready if the situation arrives. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, being in Michigan at Leader Dog, you've stayed connected with Leader Dog. My question is, why? What's the reason that you wanted to stay with Leader Dog? Oh man, it, it, Leader Dog, honestly, for a mobility instructor, and this is this is very biased because I, I I love dogs, right? And I love being around dogs. But what I really love about Leader Dog is being around people who are passionate in their job. And I haven't met one soul at Leader Dog that didn't just love what they do. Um, you just stand around the downtown training center and watch the GDMIs go in and out with their dogs, and, um, you know, and interacting with the dogs and interacting with the people when they come in with the dog, come in for the dog. It's the it's the passion. People in marketing. Um, so many people that you've had on this podcast that that we've all listened to. Um, passionate, passionate people uh, about what they do, um, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, even and the clients, they, it, I keep saying this is the best part because there's so many good best parts. But one of the things that I love the most is the people that come to Leader Dog to be trained to get instruction are motivated to be there. We don't go out and recruit people to come; they find us. So when they come to us, they're ready to learn, they're motivated, they've, they've already decided to make a, a change in their life. I mean, we hear Timothy talk about that almost every time he talks about leader dogs. And, you know, he came and found us, and Timothy wanted to learn when he came. And there's, <clears throat> pardon me, there's so many other people that have that, a very similar story. They're very motivated to come, and as a teacher, if somebody's motivated, we can, we can do just about anything you want to do. Um, as opposed to having to drag somebody out and, you know, beg them to show up. And it, that doesn't happen at Leader Dog. People are there because they want to be. 
So Barry, I know you've been in the field a lot, a long time, and a lot of clients have learned from you. But what have you learned from your clients? Oh my gosh, Timothy, we don't. We, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great question. This, I tell you, the the most absolute most important thing I ever learned was the first time I worked with somebody with a actual visual impairment. In the university system, what we do is we we learn how to travel uh, while wearing a blindfold, so we understand the skills, and then we teach other people wearing blindfolds, and then we progress to working with people with visual impairments. The very first person that I worked with that had a visual impairment, within the first 10 minutes of the beginning of the lesson, he told me, again, the two most important things I've ever learned is to back up and shut up. <laughs> he, he told me, um, he stopped me and he said, am I doing something that's scaring you? And I said, no, sir. And he said, well, back up. <laughs> so I got it. I know exactly what you mean. And, and then he took a couple more steps and he turned around and said, oh, and shut up. Because I was just, you know, uh, like most new teachers, I was nervous. And so I was trying to talk over all my inadequacies. And, he, and I have spent the last um, 30 years trying to back up and shut up. Honestly, that's great advice, Barry. We the GDMI should uh, I should have known that a few years ago. You know, if <laughs> we all learned, it, like I said, I was lucky to learn it so young uh, yeah. in, in the field, and I I need it on a T-shirt. I've said it for years. I need it on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. let the gift shop. Let that gift shop know. Hey, the, I know somebody in the marketing department. We might be able to work that out. There right? you go. There you go. I am going to bring that up. I don't know if they'll say yes because it says shut up, but if you understood it, (laughs) if you listen to the podcast. Yeah, maybe the O&Ms and the GDMIs can can get it just as like a a staff shirt. Yeah, it's a good reminder to us. The gift shop. Yeah, we're going to start seeing it in all the offices. Just back up and (laughs) shut up. Hey, it could probably be used across the whole organization. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know I can use it. (laughs) That is so. It's really good just general advice too. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure my dog, my personal dog, who like, I talk to all the time. <laughs> Would love to say that to me if he could talk. <laughs> He'd be like, all right, lady, get away from me. It's enough. Please. Don't you have a job? <laughs> Don't you got to go to work? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's great. I mean, something you never would have expected. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you travel so much for O&M. So is there any challenging parts about that role? You know, you're not going through the same routes with different clients on campus, but you're going to somebody else's environment where you said you probably have never been to some of these places. So what are some um, challenging parts with that aspect of your role? Well, that's a great question. And I um, was thinking about that earlier. The, I think the most challenging part of that is that I'm not doing the same thing. Like at Leader Dog, I know exactly, like if I want to teach a certain skill, I know a neighborhood I know a specific sidewalk I can go to or a specific, you know, traffic intersection or we can work on these specific things. And going to like Salt Lake City, I went to, I've, I've been in the airport there, never been in town, never traveled there. This guy wanted to use um, the bus, the train, the light rail. He wanted, And I had to, luckily he knew it, but I had to learn it right along with him. So it was really challenging every every time I go to a brand new environment is to locate 
and kind of seek out places where we can get things done. Uh, and most of the time, the, the client is the most valuable resource there because they know the area more than, more than I do. And so I tell them before I come, I said, I need you to start thinking about some of these places that we can go because it just makes more sense that, you know, if they know it and it, it we, otherwise I'd be driving around in the rental car looking for a good sidewalk. <laughs> and they can say, hey, we can do this, 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 and this. And, and that's what makes one of the, the home deliveries so beneficial is that the person has a great idea where they want to go. Um, and it makes my job a whole lot easier. But that's definitely the most challenging is, is finding training environments that work for what we want to do. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, even when I travel, I'm like, I don't know what street I'm on or where I'm going. Like, I get lost. So that's got to be a challenge, having to go there and teach someone in their own environment. Sounds like Christina needs a Victor Reader trip. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I do use my phone GPS a lot. Do Trust you? me, even when I walk places, yeah. it's bad. Google Maps Street View is actually really good, too, when you're going out in the field to kind of look at somebody's environment and kind of figure out where certain things are. Do you guys find that you use that ever, uh, Barry? Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I certainly do. I was using it just this morning. Yeah. Getting ready for my trip. I'm going to um, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Oh. And so yeah. I was looking... Obviously, I was looking for good restaurants, right? <laughs> right. Good, Step one. Some good Mexican food in Los Alamos, but I was also using Google Maps Street View yeah. to look at sidewalks and look at intersections because it's just, I mean, you talk about technology. That thing is just fantastic. You can look at an intersection from every different angle that's possibly available, and you can look at, um, you know, whether there's, you know, pedestrian signals there are, you know, what what shape are the crosswalks in? Can you see them if they have any vision? Are we going to be able to see the pedestrian signals and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, Google, Google Maps, especially that street view stuff, really comes in handy uh, in brand new environments for sure. That's awesome. Have you ever run in, into anything that you go, oh, my Lord, this is going to be pretty difficult to figure out? To train somebody to do. <laughs> Almost every time I go. <laughs> absolutely. I tell you that, you know, traffic uh, has changed. That's another thing that's changed in our field. The amount of cars on the road, um, they're, and they're, all of them are getting quieter. Yeah. More and more quiet as we go. You know, the more electric cars, the hybrid cars, um, you know, they're building, they're making tires better and they're more quiet all the time so that's difficult um and the intersections are designed to get more cars through they they say they're concerned about pedestrians and they are but their main goal a traffic engineer is to get more cars through an intersection in a shorter amount of time they want more going less stopping which makes it incredibly challenging for anybody who's trying to cross the street whether they're visually impaired or not mm-hmm. um and something that i know the gdmis work with all the time and, and mobility instructors alike, as we look at how are we going to get, what's the safest way to get across this particular intersection? And this one, we go to the next one, and it's a brand new, uh, it's a brand new environment. It's a brand new intersection, and the traffic pattern is different. So um, that's some of the most challenging things. Timothy, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a, a new type of intersection that's called a Divergent diamond. They're oh. so confused. I'm trying to oh. figure out how they work myself still. Yeah, and and I I have a hard time describing it. Alyssa, you might even do a better job of that. I'm sure. 
but it's they're designed so that nobody has to turn left. Yep. Um, and so they don't want anybody crossing traffic. And so you're going down the right-hand side of the road, and then all of a sudden you, you curve over to the left-hand side, and the oncoming traffic is curving over to their left-hand side. And so you cross in the middle. It's really, really. Yeah. yeah. It's like a weird it, double helix thing where you're on one side, then the opposite, and then back. Yeah. Yeah, they just and put one I near my house. And thankfully, thankfully, nobody has ever said, I really want to get across this intersection. Yeah. I may, I may have uh, secretly talked them out of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's go a little bit further down the road. Let's find something a little bit more square and straight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, Timothy, that'd be the one that that divergent diamond thing is a, a a challenge. It sounds just like a challenging. I mean, I've seen yeah. them, but I didn't know what they were called. Uh huh. <laughs> First um, there were roundabouts. Now there's divergent intersections. Yeah, right, and roundabouts are no 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 joke either. No, they are not. I don't even like driving in them because no. you never know if people are going to stop or not. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly the right. point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm sure people are hearing this podcast and they're thinking, man, Barry has such a fun job. How do I get into the O&M field? Could you kind of give us a little insight about that? Absolutely. So there are about um, 10 to 12 programs in the United States that uh, train orientation mobility specialists. Um, one of them is the, the, the one that graduates the most amount of graduates every year is there in Michigan in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan. Um, Stephen F. Austin, where I graduated from, um, is the only undergraduate program uh, in the nation. And then there are several, several others. There's one in Canada and there are several throughout the, the world, but the, about 10 to 12 in the United States. And it's a uh, you you can't find anything better to do, honestly, is you're helping people, you, you're outside. And being outside, uh, even in Texas, you know, about 95% of the time being outside is better than being inside. So uh, you're outside, you get to work one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, you get to see immediate results of your work. You know, if you do a good job, you know, it's obvious. Uh, and it, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, it's the best job that, that anybody could ever have. And I know, I, and again, I'm incredibly biased, but it's what I do. Yeah. Well, I so, can't even imagine the connections you have all over, you know, the world at this point, <laughs> traveling internationally as well. You know, and, and Alyssa can tell you this too, um, that the relationship that you develop with people, because they're, you know, they're there, again, they're, they're motivated to learn, but you're you're doing some sometimes some fairly uh, challenging things together, and when you do those kind of things together over the course of time, those people you develop a trust relationship with them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's important, obviously, as a teacher, if we're going to step out in the middle of this, you know, divergent diamond or traffic circle or whatever, <laughs> um, you don't want to go with somebody that you don't trust. That's right. So um, it takes a it takes a lot, and sometimes you you get to know people a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, you, you hear stuff that you know, you wish, oh gosh, I wish I didn't know that. But people share things with you when they get to know you, yeah. you know, and, and especially the pressure situations. So, um, but I would I would absolutely never do anything else. 
Oh, that is amazing. Well, unfortunately, I feel like I could we could talk about this yeah. forever, but Barry, we were running out of time. And well, I could talk, man. I, I talk. know, right? <laughs> I just, this has done such an insightful conversation. And we just want to thank you so much for joining us today. And we want to thank our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Christina Hepner with host Timothy Cunio and guest host Alyssa Otis. We hope you enjoy learning about Barry and his leader dog journey. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to LeaderDog for our services, you can head to LeaderDog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. Don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at LeaderDog.org with any questions or ideas. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check out wherever podcasts stream. This season of the Taking the Lead podcast is brought to you by a longtime supporter of LeaderDog, the Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation. As you may know, generous donors like this one make it possible to achieve our mission. The Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation supports the study of mathematics and mathematics education. For more information about our generous sponsor, visit their website at www.dolcianihalloranfoundation.org.